Respected brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I sincerely congratulate you all on the birth of Lady Fatima al-Zahra alayhi salam. Tonight coincides the night of her birth when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed this ummah with the most beautiful gift. For indeed, she is the kawtha, that which is abundant in her gifts, in her blessings. Biologically, she's the kawtha, as she joined between nubuwa, prophethood, and imama, divine leadership. And Allah gave the last of his messengers, Prophet Muhammad this beautiful progeny, the imams of Ahlul Bayt through Lady Fatima. She's the kawthar emotionally, as she gave that beautiful emotional support to the Prophet when he would be harassed and persecuted by the Meccans. The Prophet lost his mother at a young age. He lost his wife, Lady Khadija. Lady Fatima was that emotional support for the Prophet She is the kawthar intellectually, giving us wisdom through her words, through her beautiful lessons, through her fedaki sermon, which I invite everyone to study, where she talks about the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the role of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. Politically, she's the kawthar, for she stood firm defending the imam of her time from those evil politics of the time spiritually she's the kawtha as she inspires us through her acts of worship through her beautiful supplications and duas that she would do to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and these duas were so valuable in the eyes of god when she would pray seventy thousand angels would line up behind her to pray allahu akbar what a fascinating status does lady fatima salamullahi alayha has and then you look at the kawthar in terms of generosity giving to the poor anyone who knocked at her door she would not turn them away this is fatima salamullahi alayha whom we are celebrating her birth tonight now my dear brothers and sisters before i share one specific hadith from lady fatima that has a beautiful lesson for us about prayer i would like to address one question that one of our members and viewers had forwarded to us lady fatima in the fedaki sermon she highlights the role of the prophet she reminds muslims how they were you know united on idolatry in mecca and how they were on a path of corruption and how one tribe would rebel against another tribe. But then Allah gifted this ummah with my father, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. He united you. He took you from darkness to light. So she highlights the role of messengers and specifically the role of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi as the final messenger. So one question that we got from our members or our viewers is that why does the Holy Quran only mention the prophets and the messengers who lived in the Middle East area. We don't hear of any story of a prophet who lived in China, for instance, or a messenger who lived in um, South America, the Aztec civilization, right? Or Northern Europe, 
we don't hear of stories in the Quran of prophets who lived in these different geographies. Why does the Holy Quran only mention the Middle East or focus on the Middle East? All these great messengers that we hear about in the Holy Quran, Prophet Nuh salam, Prophet Ibrahim, Prophet Musa, Prophet Isa, Prophet Sulaiman, Prophet Dawood, all these prophets, they were basically in the, in the greater Middle East area. So why is it that the Quran focuses only on these civilizations? It does not talk about other civilizations. It does not talk about other prophets and messengers. I will share with you some points to address this question, and then we will examine the beautiful hadith of Lady Fatima alayhi salam. Number one, my dear brothers and sisters, the Quran is a book of guidance. The Quran was revealed 14 centuries ago in Arabia. The Quran is for everyone, for all times, for all societies, but it was revealed in a specific society. So the Holy Quran mentioned stories people could verify. Stories of nearby geographical areas so people can relate to. And then those people, they would take the guidance of the Quran and they would share it with other people, with other nations, with other civilizations. There was no point in mentioning other civilizations because the Arabs were not familiar with them. And they would even ridicule the Prophet or the Quran. What are you talking about? What are these civilizations? No one has heard of them. And if the Quran wants to talk about all civilizations and all those different prophets, I mean, you need volumes to cover all of that. That would complicate the Quran. And it would make it too uh, lengthy, too large for people to memorize and, and study. Because if the Quran would have mentioned some prophets from China, those in India would say, well, how come you don't mention our prophets? And then those in South America and in South Africa and in Northern Europe would say the same. So the Quran focused only on that geographic area that the Arabs were familiar with because the Quran wanted to give them examples so they could believe and then they would invite others to the religion. This is a very simple, technical, logistical aspect of the Holy Quran. And remember, there were over, there were a hundred over 100,000 prophets. You know, we have hadiths that state there were 124,000 prophets. So how many do you want the Quran to mention? The Quran focused on those prophets who were nearby Arabia so that the people, the new Muslims, the early Muslims, they could relate to their stories. They had heard about those prophets. So the Quran gave them more depth so they could take beautiful lessons. That's the first answer. The second answer, you find that the universal religions come from the Abrahamic religions. Prophet Abraham was a universal leader. He was not a local prophet. As the Holy Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah states, Allah declared him as an imam for all people. Now those prophets, the great messengers like Prophet Ibrahim, Prophet Noah, Prophet Musa, Prophet Isa, they happened to be in the Middle East. And their message had the greatest weight for humanity. So the Quran focused on that. This is the second aspect. The third aspect is that the Quran gives you the stories of these prophets who lived in the Middle East. But the Quran is teaching other nations, take the moral of the story. No need to give you stories from every civilization. Take the moral of the story and apply it to your civilization. 
And that's the beauty of the Quran. That's why the Quran is so impactful. And the best testament, testament to that, my dear brothers and sisters, is that most Muslims today around the world are not Arabs. You know, I know many non-Muslims, like especially Americans, they, they're, they're surprised when they hear that. They think Islam and being Arab are synonymous. That's not the case. Today, over 80% of Muslims are not even Arab. The largest country today, the largest Muslim country is not Arab. That's Indonesia, right? And that shows you the power of the Quran. Even though it talked about stories that happened in the Middle East, but because the message is so universal, it applies to all civilizations, and hence Muslims have spread around the world. And they find the Quran relevant to their lives, to their civilizations, to their history. So that's the third answer. The third, the fourth answer, my dear brothers and sisters, when you look at the intellectual history of humans, yes, you can find that in all civilizations, but it was primarily found in the Middle East. Look at the history of Babylon, the history of Egypt, the first records of writing, writing a script, right? That's found in the middle, in the greater Middle East area. And then you see these civilizations and the intellectual richness they had, it spread to Rome, it, it spread to Greece, to the Greek civilization, uh, to the Roman civilization, the philosophies. You don't really find something comparable like that in other civilizations. So because the weight of the intellectual history of human beings was in the Middle East, Allah sent the greatest of his prophets to the Middle East. And the Quran talks about the Middle East. That is one very important reason. And the Middle East, my dear brothers and sisters, has a longer recorded history than other civilizations, like China or like you know some other civilizations. When you look at recorded history, the Middle East area has a longer recorded history. Now, Here's an important question. Did other nations, civilizations have prophets or no? The Quran is very clear that every ummah, every nation, Allah sent them a warner, a messenger. So yes, we can conclude that many prophets, you know, went to all these different areas. Now, why is it that we don't hear about them? We don't know about them. The Holy Quran tells us there are many prophets that Allah does not talk about. In Surah An-Nisa, verse 164, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, There are messengers. We told you about their stories from before. And there are messengers. We have not you know, revealed their stories to you in the Holy Quran. So there are many prophets, the Holy Quran, for the reasons we mentioned and other reasons, it did not mention. But it does not mean that they did not have prophets. Now, there is a minority of scholars who believe that there are famous figures in different civilizations, and they were actually prophets. But later, people played around with their words, with their teachings. There are some scholars, like I said, they're the minority of scholars, not the majority, who believe Socrates may have been a prophet. Aristotle, Ptolemy, they were probably prophets. Some are even trying to make the case that Buddha was a prophet and he called to Tawheed and the true path, but people later twisted 
you know, his beliefs. That's why if you look at Buddhism, it has many beautiful teachings. In fact, a lot of the teachings in Buddhism are very close to Islamic teachings. But yes, there are also teachings that we completely reject. That's what people added, just like the Bible, right? We all believe in the original Bible, but then people throughout history made changes to the Bible. So many scholars believe all these civilizations did have prophets. And throughout history, people just, um, you know, lost that history to know whether they were prophets or not. Otherwise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent the true path of guidance to all nations, to all civilizations, because all human beings, beings are being tried in this dunya. So these were some points I wanted to share with you if you're ever wondering why is it that the Quran focuses primarily on the Middle East area? Is it because the Quran is not for these other civilizations? Absolutely not. The Quran is the last word of God for all of humanity. But the Quran gave us what we need to be successful. And the best testament to that is look at history. How Allah revealed the Quran in Arabia, but this beautiful religion spread to all corners of the, of the globe. Having said that, my dear brothers and sisters, let's now transition to the beautiful hadith from Lady Fatima in which she highlights the significance of prayer. As you know, prayer is the pillar of our faith. So it's very important for us to constantly remind ourselves about the effects of praying and the serious consequences of neglecting our prayers. So this hadith, <coughs> Lady Fatima narrates it. And she asked her father, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa She says, Ya abata, ma liman tahawana bi salatihi min al-rajali wa My dear father, can you talk to me about the consequences or what happens to the one, a man or a woman, who neglects their prayers? They take their prayer, uh, prayers lightly. Now, what does that mean? The one who neglects their prayer. The one who neglects their prayer means this person does not consider prayer important. It's not a priority for them. They skip prayer. For them, their life, their business, their video games, their entertainment, their TikTok, their Instagram, their social media comes first. Many people in the world live like that, my dear brothers and sisters. Everything else comes before salah. In fact, sometimes, you know, you find some people, salah becomes a burden on them. They're trying to squeeze it somehow in their schedule. If they occasionally pray. And the days that they do, it's a burden for them. That means we've taken salah lightly. We've neglected prayers. We don't care about prayer. My entertainment, my Netflix is more important. I'll sit there for three hours behind my screen watching Netflix series. But 10 minutes prayer, no, come on, don't burden me. It's, it's the goodness in my heart. And we, we, we're, mashallah, we're master philosophers when it comes to making up excuses for not praying. Allah has asked you and commanded you, stand before me, connect yourself to me. I'm the source of all goodness in the universe. Show that respect. Give that formal prayer. Yes, we have informal ibadah you can supplicate. You can pour your heart out to Allah. You can speak to him whenever you want. Even if you're on your bed, 
You're about to sleep, speak to Allah. That's informal prayer. That's highly recommended in Islam. But you have to have that formal prayer. That formal prayer is very necessary. Without the formal prayer, I'm not showing respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if the president or the king is your best friend, right? You need to show respect. You need to show respect. You need to make an appointment. Can you just storm into their office or in their house and say, yeah, yeah, I can come up. You know, I can show up whenever I want. I don't need an appointment. It shows you don't care. You don't respect that person. The appointment helps us respect what we were doing, realize its significance. So it has a maximum impact on us. That is really important, my dear brothers and sisters. So Lady Fatima is asking the Prophet what is the consequence for the one who neglects their prayers? They skip prayers. It's not a prior priority for them. They, they, they find it burdensome. They're always trying to run away from prayer and making up excuses for prayer. Here's the response of the Prophet to Lady Fatima. He says to her, Ya Fatima, man tahawana bisalatihi min ar-rijali wal-nusa. The one who neglects their prayers, whether they're men or women, they will suffer from 15 consequences. Six of them in dunya, three of them while they're dying, three of them in their grave, and three of them on the day of judgment. We'll only examine the six in this dunya and the three at the moment of death for the sake of time. What are the six in the dunya? The Prophet teaches Lady Fatima, and she's the one who teaches us this hadith. Allah will lift the barakah, the blessings from your life. Why? Because the one who disconnects himself from Allah, he will lose quality in his life the heart will not be at rest allah lifting the barakah means it's a natural consequence here in this dunya if you don't have that respectful relationship with god you will lose that quality and your heart will not be at rest you could be a millionaire sure you could be famous like some of these singers but do you really have that quality life do you feel fulfilled inside your heart or no? In one large population study led by a Harvard professor, he found something very interesting. This is a Harvard study, Tyler Vanderweel. He conducted the study and he found that young adults who pray daily, this is even non-Muslims, right? We're not just talking about Muslims. He, the human connection with God and prayer is a human experience. So he discovered in his study that young adults who pray daily tended to have fewer depressive symptoms. They had also higher levels of life satisfaction, higher levels of self-esteem, and they also had more positive emotions in comparison to those who did not pray. Even scientific studies have confirmed that. 
When I disconnect myself from God in the form of prayer, I suffer. I'm the victim. Allah doesn't need me. He doesn't need my prayer. The barakah will leave me. And here are that, those studies to back that up. They had less depressive symptoms. They had higher levels of life satisfaction, better self-esteem, better um, emotional health and mental health. You want that quality life, my dear brothers and sisters. That quality life can never be achieved without a solid, respectful connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not only your life will not have barakah, even your money. Allah will remove the barakah from your rizq, from your sustenance. You'll have a lot of money, but it won't give you a quality life. Then, the next consequence. So the first one is the barakah will be removed from our lives. The second one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will erase that nur, that face of righteousness from his face. That appearance of righteousness from his face. In other words, that nur, that light will be taken from, from that face. Have you seen righteous people, my dear brothers and sisters, humble, sincere people, and they're really devoted to their faith sincerely, not just showing off. They have nur in their face, right? You can't describe it. They have this spiritual aura, this spiritual um, light around their face. You can sense it. You can see it. If we abandon our prayers and we neglect our prayers, Allah will take that from us. Now, why is this nur, this light important? Number one, it reminds people of God and goodness. When you are around someone and they have that nur in their face, you feel closer to Allah. That's a gift. See how Allah has a beautiful system for the believers. If you're a good person, a charitable person, a good you know, a servant of your community, sometimes you don't need to say anything. You don't need to do anything. That nur in your face inspires people to do good. Subhanallah. Isn't that a gift that Allah gives to the believers? This will be taken away from us if we're light with our prayers. So number one, that nur reminds people of God and goodness. Number two, you're less likely to sin around such people. I myself, wallahi, I've seen that. I've been around people who have that nur in their face. And you see the people around them, they just become more God conscious. They sin less. They do ghiba less. They make accusations less. They use their eyes less in sinful ways. Their ears less in sinful ways. They, they're just the source of barakah. As Prophet Isa salam states in the Holy Quran, Allah made me blessed wherever I would go. Number three, the angels see that nur in your face. And so when they see that, they pray for you. They protect you. They want the best for you. But if I neglect my prayers, Allah takes that away from me. That's the second consequence here in this dunya before we leave. Number three. My dear brothers and sisters, this is serious. This hadith that Lady Fatima narrates for us tells us that if we take our prayers lightly, we neglect them, then we will not be fully rewarded for all of our, uh, for, for our other deeds. 
Islam is a comprehensive package. You can't just pick and choose. Salah is so important, it has a domino effect. Have you ever, you know, remember when you were kids and you'd play uh, that domino effect? I remember, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I'd, I'd see a lot of kids, they would get cassette tapes or those big video, you know, tapes, recorders, and then they put like 20, 30, 40 of them. And then you strike the first one, boom, all of it within seconds falls. That's what happens with salah. When you strike down salah, everything else falls. So you don't get the reward for that. This is the third consequence or the fourth consequence here. The fifth one, your dua will not be elevated to the heavens, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because prayer is the pillar of deen. It is what allows all of your other good deeds to be elevated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number six, you will not be included in the dua of the righteous ones. Don't we want to be included in the dua of the Prophet in the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, in Lady Fatima's dua, in all the righteous ones? You really want to be included in that? Be amongst those who observe your prayers, who love your prayers, who feels honored to pray, and you feel excited to stand up and pray before the king of the universe. So these are six that Lady Fatima mentions, consequences in dunya. Then she mentions three at the moment of death. What's the first one? This person will die in the state of humiliation. Why, my dear brothers and sisters, if we neglect our prayers, we die in the state of humiliation? Because we have effectively disconnected ourselves from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So at the moment of death, we don't have any supporters. Who's going to help you at the moment of death? Your company? Your stock market? Your bitcoins and dogecoins? Your metaverse investments? Your car? Your gadgets? Nothing at the moment of death will help you. So if I don't have that solid connection with Allah, and I've darkened my heart because I've been neglectful towards my creator, I will die in a state of humiliation, weakness, abject weakness. No one's going to help you. Those friends who party all night and they always encourage you to stay away from God, enticing you to drink, to party, to do drugs, to do haram and listen to haram and see haram. And that moment, they will not help you. They'll betray you in that moment. They can't do anything for you. Shaitan who's constantly deceiving us, deceiving us, luring us, luring us, seducing us. In that moment, he will let us down. That is humiliation. When you have nothing. And you've turned away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all your life. You've disconnected yourself from the source of all that goodness. So in the moment of death, you're frightened, you're shaken. You're not ready for this. This is a natural consequence. That Lady Fatima speaks about, about taking our prayers lightly. 
The second one, Yamutu Ja'an. And the third one, Yamutu Akshana. This person will die in the state of hunger and in the state of thirst. Lady Fatima quotes the Prophet saying, The person will die in such severe thirst, such that if he were to be given from the rivers of the world, his thirst would not be quenched. And we have a beautiful hadith from the Prophet in which he states, Every person will die in the state of thirst except the one who remembers Allah, who knows Allah, who's confident with Allah, who's content with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who trusts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These people will die with the best state. Our soul will die hungry and thirsty, my dear brothers and sisters. At the moment of death, we experience extreme thirst. It's salah that will protect us. It's the salah at the moment of death that will be visualized for you, protecting you, comforting you. Let's not take our salah lightly, my dear brothers and sisters. In honor of Lady Fatima. Let's carry her legacy. Lady Fatima alayhi salam, you know, in one very beautiful hadith, she says, I love three things from this dunya. Oh, Fatima loves three things? What is that? We'd all love to hear it. She says one of them is reading the Holy Quran, supplicating to Allah, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lady Fatima says, I love this. I love acts of worship from this dunya. The second one, and to look at the face of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And the third one, to donate in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lady Fatima was in love with ibadah. That is why when she would stand to pray, 70,000 angels would pray behind her. She would stand the entire night such that her feet would be swollen. My dear brothers and sisters, sometimes we look at this, we think, come on, you know, th these are exaggerations. How can we ever reach that stage? All you have to do is let your heart fall in love with God. Believe me, there was a brother once told me he had fallen in love with a sister. And, you know, the engagement period for a lot of people is a beautiful period, even though our times are changing. Believe me, these days I see so many Shabab, they're in their engagement, they're bickering and fighting and they're not enjoying it. La ilaha illallah. You're supposed to enjoy the engagement period. It's supposed to be the sweetest part of your life, right? But society has changed, unfortunately. Expectations have changed. So this brother was really in love with this, with this sister. And, and he said, I was, you know, texting her at night before I slept. And because I was so in love, for three hours, I was holding the phone in one position. When, when we finished, I felt my hands were paralyzed. Paralyzed. Can you hold something for like that three hours? Like you can't. But because he was so emotionally invested in her, he loved her so deeply, he did not feel the pain of the body anymore. He's like, that night I couldn't sleep till the morning because I just realized what I'd done to my hands. Like they were stiff, they were hurting me. It's like I paralyzed them. Lady Fatima would stand on her feet till the morning and they would swell and she would not feel that because she was standing not before a small 
humble creation who can't really help you much in life. She was standing before the source of all beauty in the universe, and she would feel the beauty of Allah and the generosity of Allah and the mercy of Allah and the Rahman, the compassion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what we learn from the legacy of Lady Fatima alayhi salam. <laughs>